I think it has emboldened some people who were in hiding. It's, it's scary to be queer at Fuller because you could get fired, you know, um, or you could get expelled. So hopefully that courage is, is rallying. That's, that's my hope. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora, welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations with me, your host, Andy Dixon. Thanks to all of you who have listened to or shared my conversation with Sophie Fusimohinoa in the last episode about making a stand for peace in Palestine. And I'm sure, like me, that you've read and watched and absorbed the events over in Gaza um, over the last four and a half months with grief and horror. It started with a horrific murder of around 1,200 Israelis by Hamas on October the 7th, uh, and that has been met with the horrific murder of nearly 30,000 Palestinians by the Israeli military, and that number is rising every day. Uh, Right now there's even 1.2 million displaced Gazans sheltering in Rafah city, which is where they were told to evacuate to, and that city is now facing its own bombardment and looming ground offensive. Christian leaders in Palestine have called on the global Christian community to respond to the devastation in Gaza. And so this Lent, Aotearoa Christians for Peace in Palestine, the group that Sophie is involved in, are inviting you to join in a Gaza ceasefire pilgrimage. Following the lead of episode 33 guest James Harris, who walked his own pilgrimage at the end of last year, there are now over 116 cities around the world where Christians, Jews, Muslims and others are walking the length of Gaza, that's 41 kilometres, in an act of protest and prayer. The prayer is that this Lent, as we meditate on the life and passion of Jesus, we might deepen our solidarity with what our Palestinian sisters and brothers are experiencing daily. The pilgrimages are also a chance to fundraise towards healthcare, development, support and peace building in Israel-Palestine. There are four core demands that the Gaza ceasefire pilgrimages are calling for. Enduring and sustained ceasefire. Immediate flow of life-saving food, water, aid, fuel and humanitarian assistance. Release of all hostages, both uh, Israeli hostages held by Hamas and Palestinian hostages held by the Israel prison system and also the end of occupation so a just peace can begin. If you're outside New Zealand and would like to see if there's a pilgrimage near you, check out gazaceasefirepilgrimage.com, which I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you're in New Zealand, then check out commongrace.nz. But the key dates for that, Ototahi has a pilgrimage on Saturday the 9th of March, uh, followed by Tamaki Makoto and Whanganui, who are both on Saturday the 16th of March, and then Porneke, uh, Wellington, you are on Monday, Thursday, the 28th of March. So check those out if you would like to do something practical to support those under assault in Palestine. But to today's episode, I had a conversation in mid-January with Ruth Schmidt in California, just two weeks after she was fired from Fuller Theological Seminary for standing up for what she believed in. In the weeks afterwards, Ruth publicly shared in what I thought was a respectful and hopeful way looking to stand against the injustices she saw and invite decision-makers into conversation. We talk about what happened and why, and about Ruth's feelings throughout all this, her hopes for the situation, and the courage she has seen rise up in others. You may not know of Fuller, but this conversation goes to something much bigger than this one institution, 
It's about justice. It's about coercive power. It's about listening to those who are different from you. And ultimately, it's about love and how we show it to one another. This is episode 87 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Ruth Schmidt. So it's my pleasure to be sitting and chatting with Ruth Schmidt today. Uh, kia ora, Ruth. Welcome to the podcast. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, and I should explain, uh, kia ora is uh, hello. Well, it's a greeting in New Zealand Māori, um, which literally actually means have life. So Oh, wonderful. Have some life today. I, um, I receive but, it. I need it this right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you start just by telling listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I am um, on the path to ordination with the United Church of Christ. Um, I'm based out of Southern California, and I've been in ministry for about 25 years. Um, We like to start them young in the Midwest. I'm from Kansas City. (laughs) Um, Was raised in the Midwest and um, moved out to Southern California to go to a seminary at Fuller Theological Seminary about seven years ago. And while at Fuller, um, discerned a call to pastoral ministry and um, was with the the PCUSA, uh, Presbyterians, for a while. And then um, about a year ago, discerned a denominational shift in my ordination uh, to the UCC. So that's my very quick snapshot of my ministry background. Um, Before the whole seminary journey, I was um, church planting in Kansas City with the Southern Baptists. Um, obviously not the pastor, but um, very, very involved um, with their church planting initiative and was also working full time in corporate as a advertising copywriter in ad agencies. So ah, cool. um, I've got a bit of a I'm, I'm taking a midlife shift here going from corporate to to full time ministry. So that's that's me. <laughs> nice. I, I did the same. I, well, not the same shift. I was lecturing in sport management and then did a shift towards church work. Oh, so. fun. Um, yeah, yeah, big, big times, big changes, but, uh, no, it's been good. And, um, I think you're the first guest that I've asked onto the podcast because you lost a job, um, oh. rather than because you gained one. Um, <laughs> and, and we're going to get to that soon, but, um, first tell us about where were you working and what did you do there? Yeah. So I was at Fuller Theological Seminary on staff. Um, I, I started working there while I was still earning my MDiv, and then um, the pandemic hit, and they asked me to come on full-time on staff. Um, I was promoted a couple times, and then my most recent title was a senior director at Fuller. Um, have amazing um, former coworkers and staff members that I have nothing but the highest regard for. Um, I worked a lot with um, incoming students who were curious about our arts and theology integration. That's one thing that Fuller does very well. Um, They have specific professors who are dedicated to helping artists figure out their call and how their call as an artist plays into who they are as a human and who who God made them to be. So the image of God as a created being um, spills over into into how we also create. Um, So yeah, I I loved it. I, I was surrounded by some great, some great folks. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, what did a director role actually mean? Like, what did you do day to day? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) 
what did I do? Well, it was really a wide range. So a lot of it was just managerial and project yeah. management. So setting strategic goals and like monitoring, you know, project management spreadsheets. And then another aspect was I did a lot of all of the marketing and branding and messaging um, for the p- p- specific um, program that I was part of, not for the whole school. Um, and then the other part of it was was a lot of running cohorts and setting up artists. Um, if they weren't a student at Fuller, we invited them to programming that was, I guess you could say, extra uh, not extracurricular, but outside of our curriculum, um, we still invited people in to be theologically trained. So getting cohorts set up, we, you know, we had a, a yearly cohort for artists um, who um, would journey with us for about a half a year. So a lot of communication, a lot of back and forth, a lot of planning. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that whole integration of art and theology because, you know, I'm an artist myself, a musician and a poet and stuff. And, I, it's been my observation that art has been an added extra for a lot of the church Mm. that, that, um, you can have your faith and also I'm an artist, you know, it's not, and, and if you do want to bring your art into your faith world, it's to paint pictures of Jesus, uh, (laughs) you know, with, with glowing white edges and, you know, that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah, or really scary crucifix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, there's some beautiful religious art, you know, um, specifically religious stuff, but but also just that whole thing of actually just in creating that is an embodiment of who we are as humans. You know, yeah. the the mere act of, of creating anything um, – is a gift, you know, it's, it's something we can share with people and bring joy and beauty into the world. And, you know, if that's not a part of our faith, why the heck not, you know? Yes, um, totally. And there's so, no, people will, people will say like, oh, I'm not creative. And I'd be like, I don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was once doing a talk on this and I was like, and you can be creative in anything. You can like be a um, creative artist, but you, you know, you could be a creative sportsman. You could be a create, you, you could do creative accounting. I mean, Oh, hang on. That's like illegal. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that how, that's how people talk about like getting around the outside and like doing illegal stuff. So let's not be creative accountants, <laughs> but be creative while you're being an accountant. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's, there's a beautiful structure to an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you began this year kind of expecting to carry on in that role. Um, yeah, I knew... I knew the signing of this document was coming yeah. up. Okay. And so about, <clears throat> I would say, it started to kind of haunt my thoughts midsummer. Okay. So tell us um, about this this document, this thing that caused uh, an issue for you and, and what led to you no yeah. longer working there. Fuller, um, Fuller has a standard and a belief they hold internally that marriage is only for, uh, or for men and women to marry one another and that, that sex is only for inside of a marriage for a man and a woman. So... When you start as a student, you sign a document that says, um, one, I agree with the statement of faith, and two, this community standard that they call it is part of the statement of faith that you sign. Um, I became a student in 2016. I didn't know that I was queer. I didn't have any convictions about my queer siblings. Um, I, I signed it because I was still on my journey of you know, studying. But when you work at Fuller and you get promoted to a certain level, 
you have to sign that document every single year. And so um, this is a way that they kind of manage who their senior management is. And um, they make sure that everyone in senior management thinks the same way. So you can't, a lot of the staff members at Fuller, they start and they're not sure what they think about these things. They sign the document. And then as time goes on and the more they study and they're surrounded by uh, queer siblings, they change their mind, but they don't have to re-sign the document until they're promoted to a senior level. So I got promoted. Um, I knew this signing was coming. And um, in October, I started the conversation with my superiors about um, not being able to sign it in good conscience, knowing I was about to be ordained um, this year and my ordination vows would conflict with wow. that statement. Yeah, <clears throat> And so it really was my religious freedom coming up against the religious freedom of the institution. Um, I have full respect for a school to have uh, religious freedom and standards. I, I, I think that's a good thing, actually. But they should not call themselves multi-denominational when they're willing to fire a pastor from a denomination that they just don't like. <laughs> so that's the crux of like what happened in a nutshell. And I know I, I packed all that in really quickly. So. Totally. But so, so you've, the denomination you're part of would send people to Fuller, would they, or? Well, Fuller is interesting. It is, Fuller calls itself multi-denominational and it's never been associated with a denomination. So right. you can go to Fuller and then you could end up in any denomination preaching. And that's kind of, or teaching, serving. Um, and that's kind of why um, I think they've done so well for so long. Like Fuller's kind of been a big name for a while. Yeah. Um, I don't think any denomination who is affirming is going to send their uh, folks to Fuller to get an MDiv. Right. But I found my denomination after I'd gotten my MDiv. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the process had been a little a little backwards for me. or My journey had just been a little longer, I guess. Yeah. 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 And so you you have joined a, a denomination that uh, performs gay marriages? Yeah. The UCC um, is very affirming. They were the first um, denomination to have gay clergy. And um, I'm very proud to be associated with them. And when I do take those ordination vows, part of the, that will be to be able to perform weddings for gay folks. Um and it just didn't sit right that I would sign a document saying, yes, I'm going to sign off on this, you know, almost a caste system for Christians where some Christians can get married and some Christians can't. Um, yeah. So I, I just saw it coming and, and knew that it was a, a conflict with my integrity. And that's, I think the integrity thing's huge in this conversation because you could have easily just signed it to keep yeah. your job, couldn't you? I think a lot of people at Fuller are just signing it to keep their job. They're going, this doesn't mean anything. I'm just going to sign this bit of paper and then live like that bit of paper doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. But for you, that that felt too inauthentic. Yeah. And it just also, I had seen, I'd been around the school long enough. Like Fuller has been sued by gay and queer students year after year. Um, this is not a new conflict at Fuller. And right. I think I also saw that there was a lack of integrity within the school, that they are um, projecting a very inclusive, very warm and all voices matter type of environment 
But then when you get down to the practice and what they're willing to do, they're willing to kick out students and they're willing to fire employees. Um, and so there's a bit of a, there's a conflict there. Plus they're also getting money from affirming denominations in partnerships and business deals. So you shouldn't be making money off of something that you're willing to fire an employee off for. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's, there's a whole lot, like a bigger picture thing for you where you went, actually there's some stuff here that's not right and I can't just put my name to that. Um, which is, I mean, I, I want to honor you for that because you knew that that was going to come with consequences. Um, was it, you, you said you started some conversations back in October. Was there any fruit to those conversations or was it just, no, this is the line, tow it? There was, um, I will say, so there were three superiors above me before we engaged with HR. And I will say all those conversations were handled with kindness and grace. Um, there were, um, I would say, thought-provoking conversations came out of it. Um, and uh, also difficult conversations. Um, difficult because I think I was shining a light on something that most people had been pretty comfortable finding a way around. Um, there are folks who are ordained at Fuller, um, teaching and working on staff who go to affirming churches, but they found a way in the semantics of the language to sign a document that excludes their queer siblings. And so I think having to be faced with that, uh, it was uncomfortable for folks. It was uncomfortable for me, <laughs> Yeah. but you know, to, to have to think that through when it's just kind of been accepted as Oh, it's just the status quo. Um, yeah, it was difficult. Um, I, I genuinely wanted to come to the table with the school in a way that would respect them and respect me. And so I drafted a legal writer that I requested to be added to the document. And I said, I will sign the contract if you accept this writer and you, will, you also sign off on this writer. And the writer basically said, I honor Fuller's position I recognize some Christians hold a traditional view of marriage. I want to engage with those Christians in ministry, even if I don't agree with them. Yeah. But I need to ask that they also honor me. Um, and the school couldn't couldn't sign off on that. So that was quite disheartening. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, yeah. I really thought maybe it was something that they could use to um, ma make a path forward for all the queer staff, all the queer students. But not not Cause, yet, because <laughs> that, that's the thing here too is that, like, you're not talking about an organization where like you're the only queer person around, right? Yeah, there were many, many, many queer students. In fact, after after I was terminated and I sent an open letter to the president, um, students started coming out to him, and a trans student actually came out via reply all to my open letter and just said. Um, I've been at Fuller for this long. I'm working on this degree. Also, I'm trans. And there's nothing in your community standards that has anything to say about my identity or the way God made me. And um, so I think it has emboldened some people who yeah. were in hiding. It's it's scary to be queer at Fuller because you could get fired, you know, um, or you could get expelled. So hopefully that courage is is rallying. That's That's my hope. And that's what, I mean, I've become aware of this where we're connected online and I've yeah. become aware of this because you did share publicly about it. Um, and then you started sharing about some of these stories of, of others that were, you know, 
um, yeah. sharing their stories or be it privately with you or publicly as well. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because I could see how your actions had given permission to others to be who they are, uh, which I think is a really beautiful thing. And, you know, it costs you a lot to do that, but there is good fruit coming from it. Um, yeah. I don't know. How, how are you in your current environment feeling about it all, having lost your job? You know, it's very recent, isn't it? It's Yeah. Yeah. It happened on the second. So I think it's been about two weeks. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're talking... Like how? What are your feelings in the middle of of two weeks on from from that and what you've seen in the meantime? I I have felt a mixture of grief and sadness, um, because after hearing some of the responses, there there was also a student protest that I wasn't involved in, but just um, happened <clears throat> um, because of this. And after the president. Um, did a spontaneous question and answer after the protest to uh, this chapel space. And I was just very disheartened by the way that he was talking about the, the queer students. So um, I've been, I've been feeling very sad for the school. It's a place I love um, a place I want to see thrive. I think it's also a very important part of higher ed and Christian education is to have a school that genuinely embraces and welcomes a conservative and a more liberal leaning student and invites them into the same classroom to wrestle yeah. with scripture. Like that just doesn't happen. Like I, I don't know any other school that's so the, the model of what Fuller wants to be, I think is very important. Um, and then I've also been feeling a lot of relief. <laughs> like it's been a three month journey, very isolating, very alone. Um, I had moments of just feeling very much like in a David and Goliath situation. Like I'm just this one single woman, you know, in my mid thirties, like going up against one of the largest evangelical institutions of modern time. <laughs> like yeah. it's just overwhelming, you know? So, um, that was, it's really good to not have that feeling anymore. And to, yeah. n to know that I'm like, I ended well. That I, that I exited in a way that that honors myself, that honors the spirit of God. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of relief. I'm like, I, I was telling a friend, I was like, I feel free. Like for the first time in a long time, I feel free. I'm I'm not associated with a Christian institution that is trying to control people's bodies without listening to their stories, um, and it, it that feels good. So. I, I'm in the process right now of trying to release it because there's still a lot of energy happening on campus. The students are very worked up. There's in a good way. There's a lot of petitions going on. The board meets this week, actually. Um, I think as people are listening to this, it'll be in the past. So it would have been on the 22nd of, of January that the board met. So um, I'm trying to I'm trying to let it go and, and let the students take over because it's their journey now. Because in the yeah. end, I guess one of the things I've seen through your social media posts and things is that for you, this has never been about getting revenge on a college. You know, this isn't, I got terminated. It's not fair. Let me get back at you by making this public. There's been a, a genuine like grieving and desire to see flourishing. 
Um, and so I, even in what you're just saying there about, you know, stepping back and letting the students kind of pick it up. I love that you're noticing that actually in the end, this is not about you. Um, it is about you. You know, it started about you. It's very much about you being a queer person. Um, but it's but not also, only, it's not only about you. Yes. Um, yes. And that there are others. If it's, if it's going to be something that causes change, it needs to be a much bigger thing than about you and your particular job. Um, which is tough when you're, you know, I've been through redundancy and that was hard enough. Um, yeah. But to, to just be like, no, see you later. Um, we don't agree with your position. You're gone. Yeah. I can't even imagine the emotions that, that you're swimming through at the moment, you know, so. Yeah, um, it's been layered for sure. <laughs> I, I will say, though, the comment of like it being bigger than me, there's been... um that has been one of the most encouraging things that have come out of this whole situation is people reaching out to me and saying, I went to Fuller and I hid my marriage the whole time because I was wanted to get a PhD and, and I couldn't while I was married um, because this person's gay. And so they hid their marriage from Fuller and just like all of these stories of people who, who wanted to be in communion with a more conservative group, wanted to learn next to them. Um, and, and we're willing to sacrifice to do it. Um, a lot of questions that people have asked, one of the most common questions is well, like, why, why do queer people even go to Fuller? Like, and I just, <laughs> I think it's so interesting. I'm like, okay, so with that logic, um, during the civil rights movement in America, um, why were we having people drink out of different water fountains? Like this whole concept of you have your thing, I have mine, we need to stay separate because we believe different things. Um, and I'm not comparing the queer struggle to the black liberation struggle in America. However, it's the same thought pattern of like, well, you don't agree. So you should have something separate over there and something different. Yeah. And I think the whole message of being a Christian and following Christ is that we have this unity that is bigger because we are following Jesus. And um, so I, I have been encouraged as I've seen people come out of the woodwork and share their story with me and um, non-affirming Christians have reached out and said, I don't affirm gay marriage, but I am against what happened. And I want to see that change because everyone should have equal rights at an education. Yeah. So, yeah. It speaks to um, educational integrity, doesn't it? Yes. You know, the, the freedom of thought and the, the ability to be uh, engaging with different ideas together. Yes. Um, I'll never, never forget the, probably the best lecture I've ever been to was when I was um, at our Bible college here in New Zealand, I saw that there was a guest coming to do a, a one-off special lecture about a Catholic's view of Anabaptists. And I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just get ready for this party because it's going to be rough. Yeah. And honestly, it was beautiful because he, his take was, we always try and find unity by finding the lowest common denominator. What is the thing we agree on? But actually, I want to go, what do you do differently from me? And why do you do it? And what can I learn from that? And so he talked about baptism and said, you know, um, I mean, in the Catholic Church, we baptize infants. Uh, in Anabaptist churches, they baptize adults. But why do they do that? They do that because they believe 
that you have to have a grown-up faith. And he said, and in many of my Catholic churches, they're just filled with people with a, a Sunday school faith. You know, they've yeah. never progressed to an adult faith because we've never asked that of them. Yeah. And so we can, we can learn that from them. And he just, like, there were seven different things that he went through. Like, they do this. I wouldn't do that. But this is what why they're doing it. And I can learn this from it. And I was like, man, that's beautiful. Like, the the joy of differing and yes. learning from the difference is so much more beneficial than what you were describing of, well, you go over there and do your thing and we'll stay over here and do our thing. And, you know, yeah. it just... As you say, it's just very unchristian. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. And there's no... I don't think there's room in Christianity for coercive behavior. Um, that's just not something I see Jesus doing. And so that this whole idea of con- bringing, telling someone, yeah, you're welcome here, you know, welcome to the party, but you can't have any cake. Like... <laughs> Yeah. We're going to coerce you not to have any cake. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, no. It's between that person and their church and that person and God and the denomination they're with. It, it has nothing to do with the educational space. So, so yeah, I mean, huge journey, um, mm. short space of time. Uh, I, I did hear some of the comments that the president of Fuller had made at that um, event that you talked about. And one of the, one of the statements that, he was reported as saying was I don't know why anyone would come to Fuller and and fear anything um, yeah. and yet there is a real fear within the LGBTQI plus community yeah from what I've heard you know the bits and pieces you've shared and and stories you know these people hiding their marriages and um, you know those kind of things so what's your response to that? You know, wh- why Why would people be afraid? Yeah. I was very disappointed when I heard him say that because I realized how far off we were in alignment. Um, yeah. Because if, if someone who's in a position of power doesn't understand why the people around them are scared or, or, or afraid, then we're a few steps back from liberation than we thought we were. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the fear is something that we felt and the people who are still on campus that feel, they feel, they feel it every day. They walk into their classrooms, you know, lesbians walk into their classroom knowing that they can never talk about their girlfriend. They can never share a photo. They can never share that part of their life. And if anyone were to find out that, you know, they'd taken a vacation with their girlfriend, let's say that that could very likely get them expelled. And when you look at how much money some of, especially the psych um, doctoral students, they're spending so much money investing it up front, you know, and hoping to be able to pay it back as they're working as therapists. Um, They can't risk it. And so you walk around constantly afraid that someone saw the wrong thing on social media and it's going to get to the wrong person in administration. And that just like what happened to Joanne Maxson in, in 2019 when she was expelled, the wrong person saw the wrong document and just decided to make her life a living hell. (laughs) And so we hear these stories and you walk around with that story constantly playing in the back of your head. Um, And with staff members too, like there are so many people I know who have put marriage on hold 
um, have not dated as much as they would want to because they've got a good job at Fuller and they like where they work. Um, so I think that whole idea of like losing our livelihood, losing our education, completely uprooting our lives, losing an investment of tens of thousands of dollars, like that is what embodied fear feels like on the campus at Fuller. Yeah. And I, my heart goes out to the people who are feeling that today. <laughs> it's happening yeah. right now, you know. And and so these students that you're talking about that are petitioning and, you know, um, doing these protests and things, that's actually very risky for yes. them. Extremely risky. Yeah. I, I'm very grateful that there are some straight allies at Fuller who have realized that they have a privilege and have really put their necks out. Um, to speak out on this because they've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it too. It's going, actually, I could like for me as a straight white guy, I could easily just not engage in this conversation because it doesn't, it doesn't affect me personally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and yet it now does affect me personally because having, done all the work to become affirming and realize that actually I, I think, you know, this is where Jesus would land on this issue. Since that point, my wife has come out as bisexual to me. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, we had to wrestle with what does that mean for us? And in the long term, it means not a lot because, you know, she would still choose me. So that's great. Yeah. But, but it's a part of her that she's able to recognize and be honest about that. She hasn't been able to in the past. And, um, and then one of my daughters has come out as gay. So, wow. you know, it's, it's um, within a week of each other, actually it was, Oh my goodness. It was, <laughs> it was, but it was like, we got to that point where actually that it felt really normal when it happened. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I go, well, actually when I did the work to realize what other people's lives were like and what they were risking in life and the way that they were being treated by the church and affiliated organizations that I could have easily just not engaged in that. Yeah. But having chosen to do that, I then find that there are people in my own space that are part of this. And I think that must be true for so many people that they don't realize that if they're in these churches that um, and, and institutions that don't allow the freedom to explore who you are, you know, I've had people say to me, oh, "I don't know any gay people." It's like you don't know any out gay people. That's like, right. We're always you know, around. <laughs> yeah, um, and and that's a um, that's a something that I've come to terms with is that actually there have been gay people in every church I've been in. Yeah. I just didn't know because yeah. they weren't allowed to be and yeah. they were hiding it and they were terrified that it might get exposed and there would be consequences for that. And, you know, that's what I hear you talking about with this whole Fuller situation. It's, you know, a lot of New Zealanders will have never heard of Fuller before. You know, I have because I've been through theological education and there's, you know, stuff that's come out of Fuller that I would have engaged with. But... Most people listening to this podcast have probably never heard of Fuller before. Um, and yet it's not actually the point. You know, the, the point is that we've got this institution that particularly 
the one you're talking about is one that's trying to bring conservatives and liberals and you know people with differing viewpoints together yeah and yet this is one area that just they can't get across the line on yeah. and it's causing so much grief for so many people truly um, and yeah. and like you say people could say well why do they go there but what you know why shouldn't they be able to go there Exactly. Um, especially if they belong to a denomination that's supportive of this. But even regardless of that, why shouldn't people just be able to go and study that and learn and grow and and not be afraid that people finding out something about them is going to cost them everything? Yes. Yeah. And and what's what's really disappointing, I think, about Fuller now is that um, and this is probably true at lots of churches or educational institutions that are leaning conservative. Is It's actually the board of trustees that is controlling all of these issues, these personal issues. Yeah. It should be between the person and their church or their person and God. And now the imbalance is so great that I genuinely think, and, and this is not all just like data in my head, like some of it comes from surveys that have been taken, that the school itself and the student body and the professors and the staff are so far removed now from the board, but the board is afraid that less money will come in if they become affirming, or at least if they stop penalizing. <laughs> yeah. And so, that's the thing is you're not even asking them to become an affirming college. You're just right. Yeah. You're just asking them to not be dicks about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm like, just please stop penalizing one group yeah. for following what their denominations say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, but, it's too, I, I pray and I protest that the board will see the discrepancy and stop acting out of fear um, and honor the denominations that are ordaining queer clergy. Yeah. Uh, jumping back quite a bit, you mentioned that like when you first signed the document as a student, you weren't aware of your own queerness at that stage. What has that journey been like for you? Yeah. Because I'm imagining you came from denominations where that wouldn't have been okay. Absolutely not. Yeah. Or, or absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I was raised incredibly conservatively, like a borderline like cult, um, just head coverings for, for some women in our church and like skirts to the ankles and everybody was homeschooled and like um, I was like the rebel who wore jeans, you know, that, that type of... <laughs> That type of Christian environment. And so. you're going to hell because of it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, please let me have my Levi's. Um, yeah, so it was quite a journey. And I think because I was raised so conservatively, there just wasn't even a space in my brain that, one, I didn't know what gay people were. And two, I, I didn't know how to see it in myself because I'd never trusted my own voice. Like authority is so, so important in those high yeah. control religious environments. And so- I was very good at submitting to authority and therefore I was very, very bad at hearing the image of God that had been put in me and, and, yeah. and the Holy spirit in my own heart. Seminary helped change that. <laughs> I got to seminary at Fuller and took a, a human sexuality and ethics course. And um, I'll give it to Fuller. They, they know how to pull an amazing class together with fantastic professors. And because of that, I got to see reflected back to me, Christian theologians who were queer and, and affirming. Um, 
And so I, in that class, I really came out and, and realized that I was bisexual. Um, so Fuller brought this on themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating that like a Fuller class yeah. is engaging with queer theologians. Yeah. They, they actually, when they got sued, the lawyers told them they had to pull that class from the roster because it was too much of a legality um, issue to be, you can't be sued for something and then also be teaching it in a course. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I took one of the final offerings of that class ever in, in Fuller history. That's wild. Yeah. It's too bad. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. So so that class was one yeah. where you kind of became awake to yourself. Yes, yes. And it turns out, looking back, it's so funny, I'm like, other classmates, we look back and we're like, that whole class was gay. Like, we all <laughs> we all ended up in the same class. We're like looking left and right and they're like, does this, uh, this is, uh, this is really powerful. <laughs> this is really, <laughs> this is good stuff. So, um yeah, it was it was a wild ride. And then just working through my own acceptance of it, working through what that meant, um, working through discovering what attraction was like. It was just such a it was like all new to me and learning to trust yeah. my heart and and um yeah, and the voice, like genuinely knowing that I was made in the image of God and and that the spirit of the living God was inside of me and that that was enough to have a conversation and figure out who I was. I didn't need an authority figure telling me this is who you're supposed to be, or this is what you're going to be. Or so, yeah, it was, it was, it was a bit of a journey, but it's been great. And I was out at Fuller for a long time. I was dating women. I was dating non-binary folks while working at Fuller. Um, like I, I decided to be very upfront about it. Cause I'm also, that was a big part of my integrity. I was like, I'm going to live out who I am because I answer to God at the end of the day. I don't answer to the fuller board of trustees. Um, and I think it's, that's a scary thing to do though. There's a lot of students and staff who can't risk that. Um, so I don't yeah. fault anyone for not being out. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things, again, hearing, hearing your journey compared to, well, sitting alongside others I've talked to, um, there's this perception in conservative Christianity that if you become, if you choose to become gay, which is a whole <laughs> language thing, um, yeah. it's because you are choosing to walk away from God. And, and that's just not been my experiences. I've engaged with, with the gay community. Yeah. Um, yes. That actually some of you all are, have had to fight, more for your faith um, and and your journey of coming to a realization of who you are was a part of your journey of faith not excluding your journey of faith yeah right. in fact it informed it like the more I studied the bible and the more I studied theology at Fuller the more convinced I was that God made me queer like yeah <laughs> not what they had in mind I don't think yeah yeah and <laughs> And I think that's that's really good for people to hear that might be on the fence about this. Yeah. That actually for so many queer Christians, this is not an issue of abandoning faith. Yes. And in many cases, it's the opposite of that. It's, yes. it's a running to faith and 
being authentic about who you are to allow you to do that. Um, which, yeah. which is just not the thing that I was told, you know. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> by all the straight people that never met a gay person, you know, like. Right. I mean, I I grew up assuming that gay and debauchery were the same kind of word. Totally. You know, like, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and and then I ended up working in a a sports lecturing department where there was like about 17 of us and I think 12 were women and nine were gay. So, wow. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were amazing humans, you know, yeah. like it, um, it just, that was the start of it. So that was 20 years ago. Yeah. That was the start of my journey of, of going, what I've been taught about this isn't what I'm seeing. Yes. So what now? Yeah. Um, and it yeah. took me a long time to find places to ask the questions. But it's one of those things where once you start pulling at little threads of your faith, you realize that actually some of it needs to be pulled a bit more and unraveled so that um, it can be put back together in a new way. You know, um, I've a, a guy I've had on the podcast, um, he's a writer and poet, Joel McCarrow from Australia, and his book is called Woven. And that's part of his analogy of his uh, his faith journey is these pulling at the threads and then the weaving together of the best of of what he'd grown up with and the best of what he'd discovered oh, and yes. weaving that into something new. You know, that um, not just pulling at a thread and finding everything had unraveled and there was nothing good about what he grew up with, but going, no, actually there was some great stuff and some really toxic stuff. Oh, and how it. do I leave that and weave it into this beautiful acceptance and love and stuff that I'm discovering? And yeah, yeah. go. Yeah, I really think that there are things about my upbringing that I am just so incredibly grateful that the sense of hospitality, the sense of compassion, like there are things that I wouldn't change despite how bad some of it was. <laughs> but yeah, and I also think like as you're just speaking about the the queer Christians who have had to fight and, and how to make their faith even stronger to be, to remain in Christian spaces. I think some of the most accurate reflections I've seen of the spirit of Christ has been in people who are willing to stick with a community that is degrading them and continually yeah. offer grace and just grace upon grace. And I'm like, if we could just open our eyes to see how much kindness and grace some of these gay Christians are offering yeah. the Christian community. Like, oh, it's just, it's yeah. overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's so beautiful. So as we come near the end, um, with all of the stuff that's happening around Fuller and your sharing of your journey, you know, what's your hope from here on? My My hope for the school is that the board of trustees would listen to the students, um, that they would listen to the petitions and that they would not change their policy, but that they would start to honor all students and stop penalizing people mm. for going to different denominations. Um, my hope for myself is that I begin to regain the dream that I know God is, is extending to me about what it looks like to be outside of of Fuller. This is the first time in my adult life I've been outside of a high control religious environment. Wow. And so 
I've got some some really good internal self-work to do. I've got some good therapy hours ahead. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be beautiful. There, it's, it's only going to get better. And I feel like I ended well, and that meant a lot to me. So, Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. Um, thank you for sharing your story and, and doing so really vulnerably. Um, and, and I guess on behalf of all those who are, who are on Fuller, uh, on the Fuller campus that have been empowered by this, you know, a huge thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for what you're doing to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. <laughs> it's been an honor. Hello, hello, heaven. Will I hear you whisper to come near? I'm so grateful to Ruth for sharing her experience with us, especially when it was so raw. Since we recorded, students and staff at Fuller have continued to call for change, but change is yet to be seen. Regardless of the outcome, I'm so proud of the stand Ruth made and the courage she has given others to be themselves and to know that they are loved. Ruth, thank you for who you are and for what you do. Here is a blessing for you. Ruth, as you look back on your time at Fuller, may you see beyond a disappointing ending to a journey of self-discovery, of deepening faith, of friendships in a time that has left a legacy. May you know that in staying true to your convictions, you stood for what is right, and that in doing so, you showed others that they matter and that they are loved. May you continue to be someone who hopes for change, who believes in love, and who finds ways to express both, even when the path forward is challenging. May your ordination journey be a deeply meaningful time, and may the churches that you serve and lead support you in your fullness and know that they are loved just as they are. Lastly, may you know that you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Join me next time when I talk to Courtney, Sandy and Graham from Voice of the Martyrs about the work they do to support Christians in persecution around the world. We talk about the sheer numbers of Christians in danger around the world, what those Christians want from Christians who are living in more safe places, taking risks to support others, and ways that we can all show love to those in hard places. There are also stories of love and forgiveness that will move you in your deepest being. Until then, me inoi tātou. E tō mātou matua i te rangi, kia tapu tō ingoa, kia tau mai tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, Kia rite anō ki tō te rangi Humai kia mātou ai nei He taro mā mātou mō tēnei rā Mūro mātou hara Me mātou hoki e muru nei I o te hunga E hara ana kia mātou Aua hoki mātou e kawea Kia whakawaia Engari whakorangi a mātou i te kino.